Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode. So we got uh, Charles Hugh Smith today. As you all know, Charles is a writer and blogger. He's published multiple books. Um, he's on Of Two Minds, and is, is he's the owner and operator of Of Two Minds. Uh, Charles's blog is is republished on multiple other sites, and I am fortunate enough that we do this podcast regularly. Um, so uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. This episode, we talk a lot about uh, home ownership, and we talk about other stuff too. And we, well, mainly home ownership and community. Um, and then we finish by saying, you know, write that guy from Audible. And then we tell you what to say. So I don't don't send him any nasty messages because I would like to get the affiliate ship. As fun as it would be, uh, it would it, for the for the lulls, um, or just just for the laughing. But I would like an Audible affiliate ship. Now, there's two more books uh, of Charles's that I found on Audible that I'm sharing. So again, if you guys want to start an account on Audible, um, you just basically you you just give him an email and you can. They give you a free book, so it's it's a great deal. Um, okay, so with that being said, moving to um, moving to our affiliates. So if we go to uh, if first starting out, Nature's Image Farm, check out Nature's Image Farm. Uh, my good friend Greg Burns. If you go to naturesimagefarm.com, you can see all the cool starts and plants that he has and uh i'm a i'm a big fan of nature's image farm and, and greg burns and that whole clan i need to actually james needs to to remind me to write a testimonial i don't like writing guys that's why i, I talk on a podcast um but I, i'm a huge fan of everything of, of every business dealing i've had with greg uh has always been good um so if you guys use cut so if you use English, you don't stutter sometimes. But if you guys use code word sample, you'll save 10% and get free shipping. Um, the new thing. So there's no more. So no more newfarmsupply.com. But if you do go to versaland.tv, uh, my good buddy Grant Schultz has a free course on pawpaws. So at versaland.tv, you can actually sign up for an account and learn how to do pretty much everything at Pawpaw. So I have this course signed up. I haven't done it yet, but everybody that I know that's done it is super excited about it. Um, so, you know, he has different courses on there. Pawpaw, uh, North America's Tastiest Fruit. Um, so you can actually do that for free. Or if you want to sign up with the courses, um, you just do Farm Scale Permaculture is the one course he has right now, and that's $100 a month. Um, it's definitely worth it. I mean, Grant... Anybody, Grant's going to come back on the show too. But when you when you talk about you know somebody that is committed to a lifestyle and committed to the work and and doing living on the the rules that you believe in, I mean it's it's hard to not think of my good friend Grant Schultz. So definitely check out that Paw Paw course for free. Um, then last but well, no, it's not last but not least. I got a couple other affiliates. So. Uh, I, I do talk about rebooted body, and uh, you know I, I did the total body reboot course uh, through Kevin Geary, and man, every time I like I, I'm I'm kind of at plateaued with this 25 pounds, and it's mainly just because um, as Kevin talks a lot about uh, in the course, you know, the inner rebel just kind of came out, and I needed to to kind of 
take a break from being so disciplined with everything and uh, it's it's just to keep my sanity but now i'm like starting to you know i haven't really gained any weight but i i just had a little bit more food freedom in the time but now i'm just getting back into eating real food because i feel so much better and i just i'm working on getting stuff more disciplined but i i was watching uh I was just watching like something with about intermittent fasting and I start looking in and then I start looking at all these sources for intermittent fasting and then I just look in the course that I already had and there it was. So, I mean, everything that I think is actually, you know, every, all the best practices that I've had, um, Kevin, it goes into great detail in the course about how, how to use it and, and, um, what, what gets the best results for weight loss and just health in general, whether it be sleeping or anything like that. I am, I'm super impressed. So go to, if you click on the link in the show notes, you can go there, um, and, and, uh, get that. Uh, if you want to start a podcast, I'm a big fan of podcastblastoff.com. Um, personally, if, if you guys sign up through my affiliate site, so there's an affiliate link, like I'll definitely, walk you through what I do or my recommendations are for starting a podcast. When it comes to audio quality and, and everything like that, like I really have that stuff down and figured out and I'm always trying to get it better. So if you did sign up with Podcast Blast Off or you wanted to start your own podcast, like I'd be more than happy to um, just email me if you do end up getting it. I'll be more than happy to consult with you and give you my time for free because if I've inspired you to do something like podcasting, like I think that's I mean, that's something for me that uh, it's changed my life. So I'm, I'm pretty passionate about it. Um, so, and then last but not least, profitableurbanfarming.com. Uh, if you click on the first link, you can save $100 off on the course. Um, or you can do what I did and just do the payment plan. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm excited to implement everything this year. Um, and, and guess what? Season two of Family Forward starts tomorrow. So that'll be out tomorrow. So anyways, guys, thanks for listening. And I will, and I will get back with you guys with an episode tomorrow. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, I'm drinking today. So it's not two beers with Charles today. It's coffee with homemade bourbon mixed with coffee with Charles. <laughs> What's going on, Mr. Hughes, Charles Hughes Smith? How you doing, my friend? Good, good. Well, your homemade bourbon, you'll have to uh, explain um, uh, how you sourced that. I'm just drinking a standard uh, longboard beer here. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear about your homemade bourbon. Well, so there's a fun fun thing in Ohio. So it's legal to have a still, and it's legal to have the product of the still, I believe. But it's not legal to actually use the still or have like the mash you use with the still. But um, I have a good friend who uh, makes some, some delightful spirits. And uh, we actually made some spirits from the sap of my maple tree. I, I say we, meaning he did, but I, I tapped my tree and gave it to him. And uh, I, I almost, I, I like, I pounded through it because it was so delicious. And then I was like, man, I don't, like, I don't want to drink all this because I can't get it for another year. And uh, so I just, I got some bourbon that he had made as well. And 
it's weird because I, I stopped, you know, I stopped drinking and beer, beer, it's like it, it, it's just, it makes me feel so sick when I drink it now, like when I'm, when I'm buzzed off of it and I, I don't really have that same issue with whiskey or bourbon. So, um, or vodka or something like that. So I, I'm still not drinking that much, but it's, it's like, uh, I mean, you know what, Charles, it's a special occasion. We don't talk often. So when we do talk, I mean, no beers with Charles was okay, but it just wasn't the same. You know, we, right. we gotta, we gotta have some, we gotta have some booze going. I mean, you have a nice serious, serious podcast with Gordon T. Long and it's nice and professional and we gotta, we gotta, you know, we gotta hillbilly it up on my show, Charles. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. And we, we, um, you say that we get, uh, more visitors, um, when we're slightly sloshed and a little looser. So I'm all for it, you know, <laughs> we give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. Yeah. So I think, uh, there's a lot. I think there's a lot to unwrap today. So um, I I talked about it. So I'm gonna. I, I think I'm gonna try to get this out tomorrow. So, um, but I I talked about it briefly. So you know, I, I did that uh, accountability podcast last year with my good friend Scott Hebert. We we're talking about changes in the business. So one thing that I've been doing since you know we last talked, we talked a lot about self employment. Um, but the, you know, one thing I've really been doing is trying to reduce my expenses. So, um, my buddy who owned my house, I, he had offered, he told one of my, he told me to tell one of my friends that he would sell it to him for like 50 grand. And that's actually like a pretty good price, uh, in Columbus, but also in this neighborhood, like it's actually below value. Like you could probably sell for 65, um, maybe 70, but likely 60, 65. Um, and it was tricky for me because I don't have a job right now and you can't get a mortgage when you're on unemployment. So, um, and the business isn't quite going yet. Like this is the first year with me pushing and even now, like, I mean, like I have some crops in the ground, but it's, um, you know, there's a lot I need to do on business end to, to, to get to a point to where I could actually go to a bank and say, Hey, you know, can you finance me? This is my income. Here's the, you know, here's, here's the, the business side. Like this, here's my financial statements for my business. You know, can you approve me? Which a lot of people can do. But, um, so what I did was I did what any millennial would do. And I went to my parents and none of my parents, I mean, you know, my dad makes money now, but I mean, like he still is like making up for, you know, just trying to hustle and he had, a, he had, he, he's go, he's trying to get into, he's trying to get out of debt and everything now. So it's like, I, I, I couldldn't really ask him. And I went to my mom and see if she could co-sign it. And she's like, I, I really can't, but she told me to talk to a certain family member. And so I talked to that family member and he said, and I told him what the price was and I knew he was looking to buy land. Cause he's always one thing that he always said is they don't make more land. And I'm like, well, they, you know, they don't. Like, they don't, there's no land factory. I mean, the UAE tries to, and China's tried to do some interesting things with that. But so, uh, he gave me an offer and said, tell this guy I'll pay him cash. And so I made a counter offer of, of a certain number. And he said, no, I don't really want to do that. So then he made another offer. And then we, we agreed on 45 grand. So I got a house that I'd already been living in and paying, uh, you know, 600 a month for, for 
45 grand and a mortgage on that, which is why I wanted to buy it was, is going to be, you know, it's going to be like, you know, 300 something a month and it's not, it's not much. So what happened was, is we, the, the next step was, okay, so how do I, how do I figure out the next step? I've never bought property and, and I knew, you know, my, my good friend who, who owned the house, he, he just wanted cash and, and we wanted as little headache as possible, but it's like, okay, so what do I do? Cause you know, this, it's a close family member involved. I have a good friend involved. So I was kind of in this, in the middle of a interesting situation. So I had to figure it out. So I, uh, so the first thing I did is I had a good friend that was in, that's a realtor and I told him my situation and I had another friend that used to work for a title company where he lives in Connecticut. And he had said, you know, look, if, if you're trying to, one thing you might do is because it, because I obviously felt uncomfortable. Like I, I don't, I haven't asked any, any family member for anything like significant amount of money since I left college. And it was just because it was no, nobody in my family really has money. Like, you know, this family member only had money because he never, you know, he used to go to the, he, he never buys new things. He's very frugal and it's not, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not that, oh, he's just loaded. It's just, no, he was just, you know, he just saved his money. And so it, it may be kind of uncomfortable, but at the same time, it's like, you know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. So how do I make this a win, win, win for everybody? So my friend that used to work for the title company said, well, you can actually, um, cause one of the stipulations I, 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 I talked about possibly putting in an LLC and me just running from the LLC, but he didn't really like that option. Um, so, but what I didn't know was, which a friend told me was, is that what you can actually do is, let's say you can't get approved by a bank, and it's just because, like, I've never had a credit card that had a bigger limit than a thousand dollars. The only debt I really have is my student debt, and I think it's like thirty grand. It's nothing big, and um, I need to, you know, I, I just need to put a plan together to pay that off. Hopefully, it, it will be forgiven. Um, I'm just joking around, but there's something, there's a piece of shit that goes down with that scene. But what I, I, I didn't know is, is that you can actually pay a mortgage to a family member. Um, so I'd called my friend that w- was a realtor had referred me to the title company he works with. And that is when I'd sent you an email where I was like, look at this fucking bullshit. Because it was, it, it was like, you know, this isn't a normal situation. And instead of, like telling me everything and and why I needed this stuff and why these fees were so outrageous. I'm like, you know, why the thing that bugged me was it's like, man, this is such a hustle. Like this is a, this is an abnormal transaction where somebody's paying cash for a property and these people still want to get their paws in it. And it, and it just bugged me. It just bugged me. And if, if, if a woman would have taken the time to explain to me, or just talk me through it. Like she just didn't care. She's like, well, that's the, the typical cost in Franklin County. I'm like, well, this isn't a typical transaction. You know, that's not really a good sales pitch is, well, this is typical. Like, you know, do, is a typical person going to contact you and tell you that, oh, we're paying cash for property and how can I make, and I want to talk to you about getting title insurance and, and making sure that I can get, uh, you know, this on my credit to help build my credit and all this stuff. And so the lady, um, I just was kind of disgusted with it. And I forwarded you that email. So I'd, I'd called around again and somebody else gave me another outrageous quote. And then 
Um, my buddy said, well, you know, he's super busy and he was working with a lawyer and we were trying to work on this agreement. And so I just called the lawyer and it turned out the lawyer was at a title agency. And like, so a lot of people that have bought property before, it's kind of common sense. But to me, who'd never bought property, I didn't know that real estate attorneys only worked for title companies from the, for the most part in Ohio. Um, so I talked to him and I was telling him like, look, I want to make sure that any extra cost from this I'm paying for. Like I have to have some skin in the game in this transaction. Like I'm not going to just be a person that's like, oh, well, let me set up the deal and then I'll just start making payments. Like that made me uncomfortable. Like I paid the inspector to come and inspect my house. I paid this. So I said, look, so I'm going to be paying um, for the insurance for me. And then I, I told the guy my situation. And he was He was awesome. And he just went over well, look, we can, I can definitely do the paperwork for you and this family member. And then I can also, um, I can also make sure you get, uh, title insurance and then he'll have title insurance too as the mortgage, as the mortgagee. Um, and, and then he said, so in a family situation, the lowest interest rate you can pay is 2.72. I talked to the family member, member and he said, well, let's just make it a, you know, a, a normal number of 3%. But the nice thing is, is that this family member wants me to pay this off as soon as possible. Um, so when I have the money to pay it off, I can. But he's going to make, and, and our agreement between us is I'm going to pay him when I'm paid in full. That's including the interest. So he's going to end up making ten grand in the deal. So he's getting a 3% return on this transaction. So it's not that he's just giving me a house. I'm paying him. He's I'm paying him. He's getting, he's making money, which is a win for him. I'm winning because I'm going to own my house. I've been doing all this work with urban farming and all this stuff in the backyard. So I'm winning because it's like, okay, so now I'm actually paying into something that I've been putting all this effort into. But also, you know, I'm winning because now I'm saving X amount of dollars a month. So instead of paying 600 a month in rent, I'm paying 312 in a mortgage, which is, um, a good deal, and and uh, yeah, and I'm putting a lot of information out there, so I hope people, you know, don't don't judge me. But I think the reason why I want to share this is because I think it's important for people that are in the Midwest or in a similar situation that I am, where you can't get approved for a mortgage. But look, if you if you have a family member that's willing to help you out, they actually have an opportunity to make some money, and I think it's it's a win 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 for for everyone involved, and um. So yeah, so we we signed the paperwork. It's in the clear. I'm just waiting on getting my homeowner's insurance for my insurance company, but I got to get some other stuff done. But yeah, so this all went down last week. So it's official. And uh, something else too, Charles, which actually, no, I'm going to let you comment on this situation and we'll go into more stuff because you, you'll let me talk and I'll, I'll throw out all these points and sometimes I don't allow you to comment. So that's, I mean, so that that's just all went down and it, and it, and it, and the interesting thing is, is the only reason why I thought to buy a house is because it's like, okay, so if I'm going to be successful as a business owner, as somebody that's self-employed, as somebody that doesn't want to go back to corporate America, I have to have my expenses as low as possible. So, and it it's weird because I never saw value in owning a house until it was like, okay, this is mine. I'm paying into something. And then it, it turned out too, um, if you look at the Zillow rates in my neighborhood, like my neighbor is renting out his house next door to me. Uh, the guy that owns that house for eight fifty for the next person that moves in, which is still like a great deal for a house and for most parts of the country. But 
if you think about, okay, so I have a mortgage and it's 312. If I ever decided to move or move out and I could rent it out, uh, Zillow says I could get 750 out of it right now. So that's a pretty good investment. So, uh, and we, we talked about this before via email when I was trying to possibly buy a house, house off auction or something like that. But, uh, you know, it, it, everything just lined up and everything made sense. And it's, and it's, uh, I feel pretty blessed. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Well, congratulations. <clears throat> That's my first thought. And, um, I, I think that we should, uh, I'd like to comment on, on the, uh, the, one of the win-win aspects, which is that, um, you've, you've secured a permanently lower cost of living. In other words, your property tax can go up and, you know, your utilities can go up and stuff like that, but the mortgage is fixed. And so that's huge because if, you know, if costs start ramping up like everything else does, uh, rent's going to go up too, right? And as Absolutely. a tenant, you, you, you don't really control that, you know, and so you're at the, at the mercy of the, the market in, for rentals in your area. And so, but so you've evaded that, that bullet, which is that, you know, your cost structure could keep going up even though your income's flat, right? Absolutely. So that, that's huge. And then the other thing is from the point of view of the family member, then, um, you know, a lot of people, uh, when they get in their sixties, um, then, you know, they either, re- they retire in some fashion, right? And so a lot of people are uh, wary of leaving all their money and their 401k or whatever exposed to Wall Street. And, and they should be wary because that's something you absolutely don't control. You know, you wake up and a week, you know, in a few days of financial crisis, you know, your 401k nest egg can, can go down 30, 40%, right? You know, um, if you owe, if you own safe bonds and interest rates shoot up in some, you know, crisis, then your bond goes down by the corresponding amount, right? In the stock market, you know, even though it seems like it'll never go down, you know, history suggests you can wake up and, and it, you know, lose 10, 20, 30% of your money very quickly. So it's really good for your family member to have put his money in, you know, his or her money into, a property that then um, as collateral, in other words, my God, this isn't just some Wall Street derivative that you're hoping pays off. This is like a house that has utility value. In other words, it's at provides shelter. And um, so it's a, it's a much safer investment. And then the other thing is you're, you're lucky to earn a half a percent, you know, in, 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 um, in a savings the, account. Right. And if you're going to gamble in, in the stock market or in, in, in bonds, you know, you might not uh, you're, you're taking a lot of risk to get 3%. So safe 3%, that's like triple what they could get, um, elsewhere. So it, it, um, it goes to show that you're, when you go, if someone was going to follow your, your path and, uh, start pitching, uh, family members, especially those that are retired and sitting on nest eggs earning almost nothing, you're actually offering them a tremendous deal. You know, it's not like they're helping you out. You're helping them out. <laughs> yeah. And in, in a way, too, it's like I'm inv- they're investing in me and I'm investing in them all at the same time. Like it's it's a it's a pretty cool situation. And I mean, in reality, yeah, I mean, like it's it's I could have made that those rent payments work, but it was just, you know, it, it, that was kind of it. Like, you know, my buddy was making money either way, but I think he was looking to get some cash quickly. Um, and I was looking to reduce my expenses and, and, and I probably would have figured something out, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with the situation. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm, um, 
I I just gotta I just gotta bust my ass and make some money with this business, Charles. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, be, before we leave the house, um, let let me ask what do you what do you reckon your property tax payment will be? You know, by the month or annually. So that's a good question. So, man, so the nice thing is, is I never had it appraised. Um, but what's going to happen is, is the recorded amount that I paid for it, I'm going to have to pay taxes on. Um, it's probably going to be, it's probably going to be about a thousand bucks a year. The nice thing is with the, from my understanding with the, the, the title lawyer, um, from the purchase that I made, um, it's uh it's paid off. So my my taxes are actually paid for the year. Um and I don't have to really worry about it. And I didn't know either that you pay it's like you pay the next like 2016 you actually pay the taxes for now. So it's it's kind of weird so you can pay half at a time or or something like that. So but I I don't see it being more than a thousand bucks a year. And then my homeowners insurance too will hopefully be Nothing more than five hundred bucks a year, but we'll see. I gotta get a quote for that. So I'm, you know, my, ex, I mean, three hundred a month. I'm, I'm saving a lot of money. Right. So say a thousand bucks for property tax and five, six, seven hundred for uh, homeowners insurance. I mean, you're basically less than about a hundred and fifty a month on top of the three twelve. So I mean, your total. Um, your total cost there, not counting maintenance, is maybe you know four fifty, four seventy five, under five hundred bucks. And even if you toss in a hundred dollars a month for maintenance, that's still six hundred. That's that's cheaper than you can rent it. And um, and then let's not forget that you you have income potential, you know, from your from um, property, right? From 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 your gardening, you can plant some fruit trees, and and you know, worst case scenario, if if you absolutely had to, then you could rent a room to a friend or something that needed to rent something for you know three fifty, like they couldn't afford anything else. Then you could still rent out a, a bedroom or something. So that's like another cool thing that to, to segue it into it. So there's a lot of things I don't like. Like my strong suit is sales, and so one cool thing that's happening right now, and like I actually just I'm in the basement. I just moved my office downstairs. Because the room I was using at my office, I'm actually, um, I'm working something out with a with a friend where he wants to move to Ohio, so we're gonna just make a trade. So he's gonna work for me 20 hours a week, and basically it's gonna be kind of like an internship. Um, except he's gonna be way smarter than any intern and probably teach me some things. So he's gonna live here uh, with his room and board covered, and he's just gonna basically give me 20 hours a week. And that way, when I'm, instead of me having to do certain things around the farm, uh, I can be on the street selling and making money. So I'm I'm looking forward to that too. So hopefully that takes place starting next month. So excellent, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. That's that's brilliant because see, with the house, you're you can leverage that that asset, that shelter, you know, and uh, in a lot of different ways, you know. And well, so that's an excellent idea. Yeah, and that was the thing too. So uh, my buddy Damon who's a listener. So I was talking to him about this before I even thought about buying the house. And I didn't actually have a lease here. It was just kind of like a gentleman's agreement with my friend. And I always paid him money on time and I, you know, he didn't evict me. So, but something Damon pointed out was, well, how are you supposed to sublet your house to somebody when you don't own the property and you don't have a lease? 
He's like, what if this friend dies and somebody takes over his estate and evicts you? What are you going to do then? And I was like, I didn't think about that. So that's when I was starting to really think, okay, I could buy this house. That way I could have the liberty to do this. And then at the same time, um, I, you know, I, I can reduce my cost. And so that's, you know, it, it, man, it's it's like I'm I'm lining things up, Charles, so that it I don't need much to 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 pay my expenses each month, and that way I don't have to go back to corporate America, and that way I don't have like I still have a pressure to succeed because I want to make money and I want to get my house paid off, so now I have like motivation, but. You know, I can, if I needed to, I could drive for skip the dishes and deliver food and pay my bills. So if I absolutely had to, I could do that and still be, you know, a 1099 contractor because I think I have like eight months of unemployment left. Um, so <sighs> shit, I hope nobody from unemployment listens to this. So no, I'm just teasing, but, um, <laughs> but you know, like I think, I think. You know, something we always talked about from the, from like the get go when we started having these conversations was the importance of my authenticity. And then also, you know, I asked you, I think it was episode two I recorded with you, what you thought was a good investment. And you said it's something that you can control. Um, and I feel like I, I've like stumbled into that position, but it's, it's, it's stumbling, but at the same time, it's like, you have a conversation with someone and those ideas go into your brain and they reshape the way you're, you're looking at the world and that way you seek out op those opportunities. Um, so I, I think that's important, man. And I, I think uh, I hope that you know people learn from this and I hope I don't get any backlash from this, but whatever. If I do, I do. It's just something I got to deal with. But I think that what I'm doing is important and the only reason why I think it's important is because of you know, people sharing that with me, like people really appreciate my authenticity or, you know, the, the too much information that I share about myself. But, you know, I don't have, you know, I, I live a modest life. Like I'm a, I'm a Midwesterner, I'm a, a hillbilly and, you know, like that's, and I think it's, it's, you know, and I, I think that's, it's, it's, it's authentic. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity for home ownership. And I think that there's, you know, thankfully, like I've I've been a good networker and I've I've put myself in good positions. But man, was it was it stressful getting to where I got? But it's also incredibly rewarding. It's it's like my idea of owning a house is completely different now than the way I looked at it for so long because it was like I never thought I was going to put roots down. But now that I don't have a job and I'm and I'm I'm here for me, it's like no, I want to put roots down. Like it makes sense to, it's, it's, it's like a, a different way of, um, it's like, it's definitely transitioned the way I look at things. Right. Right. And it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I want to bring up this, uh, idea that this, uh, blogger, uh, Dmitry Orloff, um, uh, you, you know, you may have heard of him and, uh, he, he's mostly into boats right now, but I, I've corresponded with him over the last decade or so. And uh, he wrote a book called Reinventing Collapse, where he uh, kind of, uh, because he was born in Russia and, and spent his, his early youth in Russia, but then moved to the States, he, he has a good grasp of Russia and the, and the U.S., you know, on the ground. And uh, he, he talks about the Iron Triangle, which, is, which, which imprisons us all, which is job, house, 
car, right? You got to have a car because you're commuting to your job. Yeah. You got to have your job in order to pay for your mortgage. You got to have in. And so it's hard to break out of that, you know, because yeah. you, if you, you got to get a reliable car. Well, then you need a new car or you're spending a lot of money repairing it. And then, you know, you got to have that job to pay the mortgage and all that stuff. And so what you're doing is you're breaking out of that iron triangle, you know, because if you own your house and you're self-employed, your house is your office. So your commute is like 20 feet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you may have to go out and, and do stuff <clears throat> to, to, to make money. I have to make deliveries, but like, you know, I bought my truck for a thousand bucks from a friend. I bought my car for a thousand bucks from a friend. I have a, a cheap place that I can, I have good, good workers that do great labor for a low price that I met via my friend's family. It's my friend's dad. So it's all through networking. It's all through my mark. It's all through my warm market in a sense. Like it's all through people that I know. That I care about, that care about me, that that I respect and respect me, and I, and I think that's that's the key. I mean, it's you know we talk a lot about networking, but man, I don't even realize it. But it's like you know the I just don't like dealing with bullshit. And the and the more the easier you, I make it for myself, it's like, well, let me just talk to my friends. Like, and I have good friends, and it took me a while to figure out how to make good friends. But it's like cutting out bullshit, cutting out middle people. It you know, you can live a pretty simple life. Yeah. And the, the people that you want to know, uh, and this is what, you know, it's, it takes us a long time to learn. We sort of learn it intuitively, right? Is that, uh, and I talk about this in my book, get a job because there's people, um, and I'm not one of these people, actually, I I'm not, I'm not one of these people that when you look at networks, people like you are kind of the node, you know, in other words, you're in the middle and you have a lot of connections to a lot of people and then they are, then, you know, they are connected to their own networks and so on. And so if you're a person that, uh, can, um, connect dots, you know, connect dots and that you can connect to someone like you at the center of a node, then you're no more than two nodes away from something, right? Because yeah. somebody like you can say, well, I don't know anything about that or I, can, I don't have that, but let me ask my buddy and then your buddy will know somebody. So there's, there's no more than two or three connections uh, away from a solution or um, the used vehicle or um, the access to the tool or whatever, right? And so, um, and so there's people in corporate America, they don't have networks. They don't have nodes. They, the only people they know are their coworkers. And if you work in a little office, then, you know, you're, you're sort of like in a desert. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're in a network desert. You don't know anybody except your boss and, you know, your corporate America colleagues, many of whom either get moved out, fired or whatever. It's this sort of revolving circle. It's really hard to make, maintain good friendships in that environment. Um, and so once you break out of that, then you suddenly have access to a wealth, if you will, of, of, of potential contacts if you know people like like yourself. In other words, that's that's who you want to know. If you just you don't want to know people that sit at home and play video games on their sofa. Yes. Because they don't know anybody. They're not doing anything. So how can I they possibly connect person. anybody? <laughs> I used to be that person. And it's like as soon as I cut out and man, like I like I liked video games because I liked like certain games that were good storytelling, but I was like, oh, I could listen to a book. Or I could read a book and get the same effect. And it's like it doesn't rob a book doesn't rob my reward system like a video game does. But I, I agree. And it's it's um 
Yeah, I mean, look at your look at what you posted on Facebook. You just built a fence, and yeah, two weeks in a you row. You with some, <laughs> yeah, you, you, and and there's uh, look at the. I just what struck me was the happiness in that photo. Man, it's so crazy. Like that community is so special, and like my good friend, you know, Greg Burns, who who comes on here, and I was just at man, I was at a dude's house today. Uh, I recorded a podcast earlier today too, Charles, and I thought it was tomorrow, and thankfully I looked at my calendar like when am I meeting with Shane? But Shane actually has a uh, – man, this was a fascinating conversation we talked about in the podcast. He's actually a – him and his wife run a foreclosure sales business of homes. Wow. And he was telling me about shadow inventory. Have you heard about this? Right, right. I have. But oh. go ahead and explain it. Oh, man. And it blew my mind. And I was like – he's like, yeah, so the, the banks actually own a lot more houses than people think. And yeah. what happens is when people start bitching about how expensive homes are, what they do is they they take more more homes off their books and they put them out for sale, and they basically choose which state that they're gonna they're gonna sell that. So right now he said Ohio's pretty much dried up, but right now New Jersey's hot and Florida's hot. So they're opening up offices through demand via their customers in New Jersey and um, Florida. And he was just like, yeah, I mean, if, if they took all the houses that the banks own in foreclosure and put them in the market, it would collapse the real estate market because there'd be so many cheap homes that um, you know, there'd be no incentive to build a new home or buy an expensive home because you could probably get the equivalent for a lot less money. Right, right. And so – and then that, that uh, also – masks the bank's insolvency, right? Because actually yeah. if they had to suck all those losses and now the real estate's up in most of the country, then the banks have been saved, right? Which yeah. was the whole point, which is the whole point. But yeah. And so, um, but well, I mean, the guys like that are in this community. I mean, a guy that yeah. does that, another guy, Greg owns his own business. My buddy James owns his own business. Um, my buddy, I mean, it, it, it's just, it's so weird because I don't have a lot of projects here because my spot's so small, but I'm at every event and a lot of these people listen to my podcast. And it's like everything that I wanted from this podcast. It's so rewarding, man. I mean, it's it's so cool to, to go out to somebody's house to where, especially homesteaders because homesteaders, man, to, you have to be a little bit crazy to be a homesteader. But like we were just out at, um, I mean, two weeks ago, we were at my friend Dan and Christie's and they had 12 acres and there's that video of us hammering in the fence post and man that was a good fucking workout and like so we got done with all the fence border with those posts at lunch and then we started rolling the fence and we couldn't get it finished because everyone's exhausted he's like man i just wanted to get the posts in the ground like i'm blown away at what we got done and then uh uh paul like they already had existing like it was like an old wooden horse fence and they we took it out and we we put some uh um i forget i i, I don't I, I try to take down fences as an urban farmer, so I don't know the term. Uh, but basically, it was like a, a smaller – they want to run little goats. And so we got this fence up, and we were done by – it didn't take us long. And it was – it's just kind of – when you when you do a project like that on your own, it's, it's overwhelming. And like we built my buddy's greenhouse, my buddy Joel, who farms with me. We built his greenhouse in like an hour. And it was so crazy. Like we, and there's always people that are there, and you end up seeing people standing around, not because they're lazy, but because it's like there's so many. Pe- there's there 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 gets to a point to where you need to 
like only a, a couple people can do something. So you're, you just kind of standing around, but then like Joe green, he, he was there, uh, and his wife hates sitting still. And she's like, I can't sit still. Do you guys have anything else around here that I can do? So she just starts hammering nails out of this extra wood that they're going to use to build a shack. And then like, there's this whole crew of people doing that. And it's just so, it's so rewarding because it's all about giving. And it's like, everybody has this, this, um, attitude and, and man, it's like, I feel the same way. Like, I get so much more out of helping somebody else than it's like, you know, I could probably have spent that time working for my spot, but man, it's so much rewarding helping someone else and giving and giving for the, for the idea of giving. And now it's, it's kind of nice that the events are I've kind of chilled out because we have like this, we have this super private group where we do these events. Um, but it's just, it's getting so big. It's so hard because now there's so many people and it's like, and we had it. So there's an event every weekend, but now we're, people are scheduling out more for the fall now because it's like, okay, everybody has to handle their own shit. And, um, but man, I mean, like because of that, this, this group of people, I know how to butcher my own animals. I know how to build a fence. There's so many skills I'm learning. And so it's like this, this, again, it's another win-win situation because there's people like me who, who are urbanites who, you know, you know, technically, I'm a I'm a one generation removed. Hill, actually, first people from the hills, hillbilly. Where you know, my my grandfather, I don't even think his family could afford him to have pants when he was a kid, so he had to wear like this dress or something. It wasn't really a dress; it was a big shirt. And and to now, where it's like, I live in the city, but it's like I'm trying to get back to the land. So I'm learning all these skills. Like I'm learning how to help people butcher animals. I'm learning how to inoculate mushroom logs. I'm learning how to, how to, I had an event at my house to, to tap maple trees and it took 30 seconds and I just wanted people to hang out. And then I had, a, I had this work I needed done in my basement. And so a whole gang of people came in my basement. We built all these shelves that I needed built to, for like nursery and to grow microgreens. So it's, it's, I'm just always blown away. Like I feel, I feel so blessed to be, amongst these people they're all cool smart people they're all everybody's doing their own thing they all think similar we all kind of see that there's things are messed up in this in in our society or in our system but it's like you know you can choose to you can choose to to just sit there and bitch about it or you could try to be the change you're seeing in the world and i think that's what we are we're just a a group of people of families that are coming together and and helping each other out like they used to do when when your parents and my grandparents were kids. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And um, and I, let me I, let me try to tie together uh, what you've just described in terms of, of of this group of people who are doers. You know, they want to go out and they don't want to just sit around. They want to accomplish stuff, and that's just who they are. And it feels better to accomplish stuff than feel useless, right? I yeah. mean, that's a terrible feeling. And so I was watching. Um, this uh, public access program, like one of those boring things you come across every once in a while where like the city council is getting some commentary or uh, from an expert, right? Uh, something like that. And, and, if, and if it's um, something you're interested in, which this was about agriculture, local agriculture, then, then, then you, you're fascinated. And if you're not interested, then you're just like, man, this is the most boring thing on the planet, right? <laughs> yeah. so, so this guy was saying, um, okay, where is the most uh, – productive uh, part of, of agriculture in Hawaii. And it turns out it's in this district here on the big island called Puna, which is, and he goes, look at, 
everybody says agriculture is based on uh, you know lots of water, right? Rainfall or or irrigation and really good soil. Well, he, and he said, well, guess what? Pune has neither good soil. You know, it's a lot of it's rock and rocky, and it doesn't have any you know controlled you know irrigation of water. And he says, why is it so productive? He says it's because it's cheap. People can actually afford to buy some land down there and then get started and start growing stuff. And so that's the other beauty of what you're talking about, what's happening in, in, in Ohio. And I think to some degree we can extend that in the upper Midwest is if it's affordable, then people will actually go out and start pursuing their dreams because they're not, they're not being broken by the high, the high cost, right? If you have to buy something for a half a million dollars, I mean, that's beyond most people's reach. If you can score something for 50000 and start working it, well, then guess what? You're going to be really productive. So that's what I, that's what I hear happening. Oh, absolutely. You. And the interesting thing is, too, is that like all these people, so we're all kind of from this permaculture background. And so like Paul and Katie's land, it's all super marshy. Uh, and so, but we are interested in the skills to kind of terraform this land, like whether via mostly through animals. I mean, like just my friend, Justin Hunt, uh, his property's the same. It's all, it's all like, I mean, it's literally like just this, I mean, and Paul's, a lot of Paul's and Justin's property is very similar. Like, the the wilderness part, which is most of Justin's property, it's all um, like wild raspberry and blackberry, and it's 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 to the point to where you can't walk through it without having thick sleeves, so you don't get cut, or your skin doesn't get messed up, or anything like that. And um, Greg's property, it's it's on. I mean, like literally, it's the the only flat spot on his property is where his house is. And but you know, just because of the knowledge that Greg has, you know, it's this whole swale system. So water's just not flooding to his house. And then he runs pigs in his woods. And and so it's like people have this background. So, you know, when you're trying to figure it out via YouTube University, not only do you get like a base in YouTube University, but then you get somebody that's gone through something similar or somebody that you have somebody who whose opinion you respect that is going to give you give you an opinion that actually matters or or something that's productive. So Man, I just, you know, I don't want to keep talking about my, my little uh, Ohio GSD crew here, but I just, I'm just so blown away by everything. Like everybody enjoys it. It's, it's a family oriented thing. And I think it's, it's, it's what we kind of, the end, I felt like that community was still there when I was growing up, but there were, there's something lacking there. And, and we all met each other on the internet, man. It's not like we were all friends before. It's so interesting. So it's, yeah. it's, it's a great, it's great. Uh, it's, 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 it's super rewarding. Well, let's talk about, um, I want to, I want to ask you about, um, whether this is a millennial, um, sort of manifestation. In other words, is this something that, that of course it can happen to people in various ages, but is it specifically millennial centric? And I, I tend to think the answer is yes, but you know, that's just as an observer. What do you think? So I'm going to say yes and no. So it's weird. So I'm an old millennial and I, you and Gordon talked about it. And I think most of us are at that cutoff in 1980. So the oldest millennials are 1980. And, and yeah, I'm going to say. Yeah, pretty much it started with guys in that age range. And it's like 1980 is the oldest. Um, I think there's one guy in the group who is a little bit older. Um, but most of us, yeah, I mean, we're all 
pretty much millennials. And I, I, we like to coin the term. We kind of, I kind of helped coin this term, but we're like hipster hillbillies because it's like, <laughs> we, you know, we, we want to get back to the land. We're all kind of hip. Like we like the old, like my buddy, Greg, he's got these old knives and, uh, the, so the house next to me, so the, these people were way out of the curve because my house was built in 48 and they were way ahead of the curve. Like they had the, like that old house fans. They have the things on the roof that spins. Um, and it circulates air through the house. And it's, it's it, like you, they had an old greenhouse. You go to the basement, they had a whole canning room and they had a room where they keep all their canned food. So, um, the owner pretty much said to me, like, Hey, man, I'm, I, I, I got to get rid of these mason jars. So they're these old school mason jars. So my buddy Greg was over today and I go, Yo, do you, do you want these, man? And he goes, Oh man, it's, my wife's gonna love these. And it was like a certain thing and jar type of jar to make tinctures and everything. And it's, you know, we, we like old school stuff. Like I, I think that, you know, Greg, Greg is a super talented musician too. And he's the guy that did my theme song. And I, and I, and I'd like to say, yeah, like I, I feel like we're all like, we're all kind of food snobs, beer snobs. And that's why we got into this. And I think a lot of it was, was for food because like I was talking to Shane today, like, Shane wanted to, um, Shane wants to, like, he's obsessed with creating the best food possible. Like, and it's interesting because it's like to, to, to make money on a homestead when you have a business that actually makes you money, it's like, you know, it, it takes a lot of time and effort to make some money on a homestead. And if you have another business, likely you're going to make a lot more money with a lot less time with that other business. And, and, and I, and that's the thing. So you have to make sure that when you're doing is, is fun or you're just either feeding yourself or that you, you're trying to, you know, use as much automation as possible with, with stuff. So it's, you know, there's, there's a, there's a give and a take to it. Like there's, it's not, you know, it's something I'm learning. Like I don't mind like making less money. Like I want to, I want to make money with this farming business, but at the same time, like I have to have somebody do the shit I don't like to do because I know that my time is going to be best spent selling and connecting dots, not spending time planning lettuce starts, not spending time managing uh, transplants or anything like that. Like I, I, I think it's cool to learn and I think it's a good skill, but that's not where I, my time is going to be best spent. And I think a lot of people with homesteading, it's the same way, but, but what it is, is, you know, it's, it's food. And I think, you know, so that's why like I jokingly call us the hipster hillbillies, Besides the fact that there's a you know at least one case of PBR at every get together, which traditionally hipsters <laughs> drink, um, and we call it uh, we we affectionately call it squatch piss because we're like the the whole joke of lumber squatches, and it's like we have all these goofy dad jokes and everything like that. But man, it's it's just super super cool and rewarding. Like everybody's everybody's smart, everybody thinks for themselves. We're all kind of crazy. And it's like now, instead of having some daunting task that you you would do on your own, you have a whole community to help you. And I think and I think that's key. And I think everybody needs to do that. And I think like for me, even with with um with your blog, when I was like, let's do the Facebook group, I was and I've always said this, like, man, if you want to meet me and you listen to my show and you you enjoy it, like, I think you have to be a weirdo like me because I'm not talking about conventional ideas. Like, I'm not talking about. Whether or not I'm pro-choice or pro-life or whether or not evolution should be taught in school or any of that fucking bullshit. Like, I'm talking about like, oh, let's talk about economic bubbles or let's talk about, uh, growing our own food or being a small business owner or, or, or stuff like that. And I think, um, so if that interests you, 
then I want to get to know you because you're going to be crazy like me or you're going to be a contrarian, hopefully like I am. And, and, you know, and it's been, it's been pretty rewarding, rewarding. Yeah. And so, um, I want to go back and touch on this topic that you, you picked up on me. One of my obsessions is like control and it's because I've been burned and it's not because people are evil or anything. It's just that stuff happens. And so, like uh, back in my early 20s, I had a buddy that had a couple of acres and it was all like, hey, why don't you just come build a shack on my place and, you know, we're going to, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get some good stuff, you know, and, and, and do a garden and, and, uh, and all this. And I was like, yeah, okay. So then I, you know, I go build this like kind of like what I would call a mini house or a, a tiny house now, but, you know, it was like a shed. And then, um, so things are cooking along and we're, investing a lot of energy in the place and then um and then kind of like uh out of the blue if you will then he and his wife divorce and the property gets sold and and so that's the whole thing is you have to have complete control you can't put your money in wall street you got no control right you can't you know hope that something or other that you have zero control over is going to pan out you have to control it and it means you own it um whether you own it like uh, you know, legally, but you own it emotionally too, right? You're totally, you're in complete control and it's all on you. And, um, we, you know, that puts a certain burden on us, right? Like, in other words, it's easier to go to a job and then if things fall apart, you go, Hey, I'm done with my shift. I'm out of here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but if you own it, well, you're responsible. And, um, and so the, the solution is not to try to carry the whole world on your back. It's the solution is like what you're doing is you put together a tribe or what I call a tacit tribe, right? Like the tribe is self-organizing. You know, there's not a, you, you know, it's not like some club that you have to meet some rules or something. I mean, it's like <laughs> you do your part, you're accepted, you're valued, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, um, I think that's it, man. I mean, I think everybody wants to give and I think that's important. And I think if you want to build a local community, that's the key, man. You can't, you know, Greg, Greg and I, like, I mean, Greg Burns is like my brother from another mother. Um, we're very similar except the fact that he's married and has seven kids and I'm not married at all. But like, you know, I'm just joking around with that, but like Greg and I, (laughs) we, we view the world very similarly. And like we, we definitely, and and it's, uh, and you know, he's, he's been a huge, just a, you know, a good support system, a good guy to have in my support system. I mean, like I, I can't, whether it be, you know, helping me with the podcast, contributing, helping me contribute to the podcast, helping me build this community. And, you know, mainly I felt like I was helping him because I feel like he's, he's the guy that like is, is not afraid to try something like he's always like. You know, it's nothing to it but to do it, fake it till you make it. And he's so confident, but it's like even like he was over here today and I'm trying to figure out a way to do this shit. And I'm not a I'm not a builder. Like I mean, like if 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 we're gonna build something, you tell me to carry stuff, I'll do it. But if you need me to do skilled shit, like I'm not a skilled laborer, which is why I got out of blue collar work. <laughs> because it's like I'm a my I'm I'm pretty good at thinking stuff through. I'm pretty good at understanding what to do, but you know, and it's not even that I can't learn it, like I could definitely learn it. Um so it, it's just a matter of doing it and putting the time in. But like he's fearless and he just gets shit done. And that's why like our whole Ohio GSD thing, it's it's so cheesy because it just stands for get shit done. And it's uh it's it's that's that's pretty much it. I mean, you just have to get together, you have to meet people, and then 
you come together. Oh, this is what we were talking about. Um, this it came back to me. Like, if you give something to somebody, you can't do it with the intention of them giving something back. And I think that's that's the biggest thing. And I think for a community to be great, that's what you need. That has to be the base of it. Is that you're just here to 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 give, and that's it. Like it, like when we uh, butchered that cow, my buddy James came down. And he was helping us, and I was like, "Dude, take some steaks, take some steaks." And he's like, "No, no, I won't." And he just left. I'm like, "You fucking dick, take some steaks." And then we, <laughs> the other guy that's helping us, Justin, we forced him to take a pound of ground beef. And and I think that's you know, I mean, that's it's 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 so cool, like that. It's like I think he's a dick because he helped me for free, and I don't really think he's a dick, obviously. Um, but you know, it's it's just something special to be a part of. Yeah, exactly, and and. Um so you know when we when we talk about the sort of uh, financial background and demographics and some of these big things, what we're talking about is the the current way of living, which is to go borrow from the future and spend it all today, right? That yeah. that's really not sustainable. And so history kind of suggests that life is going to get simpler because complexity is expensive, right? And and, and we see it in our own lives, right? When you get a really crazy, busy, complicated life, it just burns you out, you know, like you just can't, you can't do it for very long. And so what you're describing is something that's more fun, you know, and it's rewarding. And if you play your cards right, like you said, play to your strengths and use other people's strengths, then you can, you can cobble together a living, right? It might take a couple of different income streams, but, uh, but, but it's also a much simpler life, you know, like in other words, again, breaking out of that iron triangle where you've got a huge amount of debt that you got to support and then you got to take a commute to a big fancy job and work your ass off. And then you got to have a reliable car because you're commuting 500 miles a week or whatever. All of that stuff goes away to some degree, right? You still need a vehicle and, and, uh, you still got your work, but, you know, simplifying the complexity of your life is a way of it, it ends up saving you money and it also saves your sanity, you know. And and when you look at people in corporate America or that work for the government, a few of them are dedicated and um, are happy with their jobs. But it, it, it seems to me the majority are unhappy. You know, yeah, they're 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 doing bullshit work. They know it has no value. They're not. And they really just want to bitch about it. Yeah, they just want to complain and and um, and and talk about their next vacation time or whatever. And so from the outside, it's all like, well, why are you guys tolerating this overly complicated, not rewarding, unhappy? And they say, well, I have to. And it's all like, well, isn't there any other way? And so uh, that's kind of what we're talking about here when we talk about you buying a house for, you know, 50 grand is that, um, well, you know, isn't, there are places in the, in the country where you can dramatically lower your cost of living. And, um, so go move. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, and search out a place where people are, uh, getting stuff done, you know? And, um, so anyways, but I mean, that's why that guy, I mean, literally the guy that I'm I'm trading like that, he was going to move here and live in his truck. And I was like, dude, you don't have to live in your truck. Like, we can work something out, man. And he was excited. And we have con- – and, and that's that's the thing too is we have contracts in place because it's like uh, one thing is that it's – even if I get married, I think I'm going to have a prenup just so we stay friends. And it's like – and it sounds crazy, but it's like, man, like I think if you do any type of venture with a friend, you should you should protect your friendship. 
I think that's the most important thing. And I think, uh, and I didn't used to look at that, but I just, from, from doing things with other people and it's not even, and like you said, it's another, it's nothing that's intentional. It's just the way you don't know what's going to happen in that other person's life. And, and ultimately people look out for themselves. And I think, you know, it, you can, you can try to look out as for as many other people as you can, but you got to look out for number one first. And so I think if, if with that attitude, that's why you want to do contracts with people. But, you know, that's pretty much it. This, this guy lived on the East Coast and he wanted to come to the Midwest because we were coming together and doing cool shit. So, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, I'm excited, man. I, I got to make some money. Like I said, I got to get this, I got to get these crops in the ground and I got to start you know, slanging, slanging, slanging produce, Charles. But I, I'm just so excited. Like I, it, it, it feels good to like this time last year, I was already burned out of vacation time because I was trying to get stuff done at my house. And then I was, I was fighting with my boss. She's like, you're already out of time. I'm like, how am I out of time? And she goes, look at your days. And I was like, oh shit, I am out of vacation time. And, and then I'm like, you know, fake calling off sick to work and stuff like that. But now I don't even have to worry about it. Like, I own my time, which is the most important thing. Yeah, and and um, I do want to speak positively too about your your mention of contract. Is that you know we live in a society where the rule of law it, it's kind of embedded in us, you know, and that um, a contract is a good contract protects everybody, right? Because like you said, there's always contingency stuff comes up, and so what a contract does, even if it's just one paragraph. It, it it just sort of tells both parties, hey, if something goes wrong, here's what happens. So that they, you've already discussed what happens if things fall apart or something bad happens. And that's really what a contract is about. And um, and uh, so it, it's good to have it. And um, and it, it it's it's a protective device that's very uh, that's part of our culture, you know. And it's a good it's a good culture, you know. English common law, you know, it's basically all contractual. And so if it's, if it's made explicit, then, then nobody's feelings are hurt later, you know, because it was like, it's all the stuff that didn't get said because no one thought to say it, that that causes the problems down the road. So. Absolutely, man. I think that's, um, I think that's, that's what it's all about. You want to talk about anything else, Charles? Do you, I like how you and Gordon really, I mean, you're promoting the the positive side of millennials, which is a good feeling because everybody just shits on millennials all the time, but. Not Charles. Charles sees the positive in the situation. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and those people that want to dump on boomers um, like me, go ahead. We deserve it. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, um, but yeah, because the thing is, is the millennials are in the position they're going to you guys are going to be in, in, in power for the big reset and, you know, like this, this simplification, the dealing with the debt and, and downsizing our, our, our consumption so that we can actually have a sustainable life and improving the, the workplace from, from just like doing bullshit work to, to, to working in, in an environment with people that you enjoy, you know, and that's really, that's what I want people to take away from our conversation is that, you know, Drew is having fun getting stuff done yeah. with people who he enjoys. He's not in some, you know, 
nightmare of a position where he has no control and he has to live to some sort of corporate America or government rules. And so, you know, there is a way out. And I think the millennials are open to that. And that's huge. That's huge. Now, I understand most people are trapped in a standard job because they need the money and and there's other circumstances. But it's good to look beyond that and go, well, if you really get sick of it, there is a way out. Yeah, I think you just have to be open to, I mean, you just have to figure out what you actually need. And I mean, I've been reading a lot of like Wendell Berry and Gene Logsdon or like some small scale farming philosophers of the area or as uh, Gene Logsdon likes to say, contra- contrary farmers or true contrarians. And it's uh, it's been interesting, man. Like I, I think it's 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 been healthy for me to to take a step back and, and think about what do I actually need in life and what what. You know, do I really need to go out and eat as much as I was? No. Do I need to drink as much craft beer? No. Um, and it's, you know, just trying to, what what actually makes me happy? And it's like asking myself that question. Well, it's hanging out with people that I enjoy where I laugh a lot. And that's what I want. I just want to enjoy my company, find some, you know, do some real work. And, and you know, so where I feel tired at the end of the day, but and also feel fulfilled. And I think, um, I think that's it. And, you know, something that Greg really says that really always hits home to me is this quote by uh, Fukuoka um, from, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but he's like the, the One Straw Revolution, the guy that wrote that. It just says, the ultimate goal of farming is not the growing of crops, but the cultivation and perfection of human beings. And I think that's what our community is all about. And I think, you know, I think... You don't have to be into farming. You don't have to do that stuff. But I think if people want to find fulfillment and happiness, they have to have a tribe. They have to have a community. And I think that's that's everything, man. I think it's you know it's. I mean, maybe I'm just I'm just on this kind of um, soapbox right now because of what I'm getting out of it. But you know, you have to it it's it's so rewarding, man. And um, hope I didn't just yeah. have the conversation with this. And no, no, it's not super just- boring. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah well we'll we'll let, we'll let the reader or the listener sort it out but yeah. hey uh, one one last thing I wanted uh, to get some feedback from you or a report on um you know you were cleaning up your uh, your diet and you were gonna lose some extra weight that you felt was not helpful and so I was wondering how that how that panned out and it's, I, I it's don't still, expect perfection okay yeah it's still going on like I'm down 25 pounds I didn't put Excellent. on the weight overnight so it's not gonna come off overnight but. I need to buckle down again and, and start eating healthy. I've, I've been doing, um, I've been doing, I read this book, uh, The One Minute Workout, and it's just by this exercise physiologist. And he basically, uh, I read it in Tim Ferriss's newsletter. So I, I listened to it and I read it. And it's, it's just a lot about interval training. So I'm just starting with that. Um, and actually, there's, let me plug my affiliate, Total Body. Reboot or, uh, rebootedbody.com by my good, my good, my good buddy, Kevin Geary. It's so funny because it's like he, like there's a lot of different things that people talk about when it comes to fitness. And so I'll start looking into something and then I just read through the course that I got through Kevin and it's like, oh, he already has something about intermittent fasting or he already has this about interval training or he already has like the, what happens to a lot of people when they drink alcohol or, or phasing out certain foods. It's like, I've done all this other stuff and it's like, man, all this, and it, it's going to sound like a, a shameless promotion of Kevin's course, but it's, it's actually super legit. And it's not, it's for all the information you get, it saves you a lot of time. And there's a, there's a good supported, there's a good community online. And, um, uh, but you know, I, 
it's it's been good. So I'm I'm still on that. I'm I'm gonna start uh, doing some more interval training, which is body weight exercises. Then I have like sandbags. So I'm gonna start doing that stuff as well, just for resistance training. But you know, I'm such a big guy that it's like if I'm just if I'm moving my body with strength, then I'm gonna put on muscle pretty quick. And in between that and like doing just putting in fence posts or just doing some real real work. And as long as I'm eating real food, it's that's the key. Like I I make. You know, it's like when I got that cow, Charles, we got a hundred percent grass fed beef and we kind of fell into it, but we got this bowl for 600 bucks and then we saved money by butchering it ourselves. So we were, four of us were in it 150 bucks each after we got like all the stuff we needed for butchering and everything like that. So it's, um, I mean, it, 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 you know, not only am I eating the top quality food, but then also like I'm, I'm doing it at, you know, a dollar a pound of of 100% grass-fed beef, which is crazy. Yeah, no, that it, it's like the rewards just keep going on and on. Well, um, I think th- th- those are the main topics I wanted to hit today. And so I, uh, I, I, I think talk we about can... Syria. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People talk. People ask me about that. I don't. I don't think we're getting the full story. And I don't. I, there's there. We could do a whole another program on on my deep state. Uh, you know conflict uh well, thesis if, if you got time we could make a second episode charles but usually you got to eat dinner well no you're what is it it's, it's what is yeah, it, three o'clock there yeah but i gotta go do some yard work actually <laughs> so um let's do another we'll save syria let it, let it let that stew for a while and we'll we'll do that next time that sounds good my man well hey everybody if you want so this is what i recommend so and i'm gonna need uh i might need some some great of two minds blog readers if you listen to this show so i give away charles's books for free all the time and me and charles really enjoy it and it's always cool for charles and i to discuss how many people are taking advantage of it but so what i did was is i contacted so i i do have an amazon affiliate but it's it's kind of a bitch for people to get the free book charles and it's like i want to make things as easy as possible and it pays less so they gave me some bullshit and um so in the intro, I'm I'm gonna just start trolling this guy because he won't respond to me, and it's like, well, if they don't want to give me the affiliate ships, then at least I'm gonna let this guy know that he I have a real show. So if people want to email this guy and say, hey, Drew's an awesome human or he's a shit lord, whatever you want to say, just let him know that you got his contact information from my podcast because it makes me laugh at night, and I that, that's all I care about. Charles is laughing and everything but anyways if you guys want to get charles's free books there's going to be links in the show notes um i have all the audio books that charles has on audible all it takes you can choose one of the four books that are on there um and all you guys have to do is set up a new audible account if you don't have it if you don't know how to do that or if you already have one you can just give another email and you can create a, a, a free account and do that and then if you guys don't already read Charles's blog, I highly recommend you go to of2minds.com. You can subscribe on Feedly. If you work at work like I used to, you can you can go into Outlook in their RSS feed section and you can do there. It removes all the ads. Charles is such a nice human being that he actually if you if you even just read his blog in the mobile version, you get a lot less ads. So, um, anything else you want to add, Charles, with that? No, let's just um, you'll so you'll post um the Audible guys uh, email link on on your on your blog right Hell I mean, your, yeah. your your website. So let's all just write the guy and say we're we we hear that you know um, 
that Drew wants an Audible, uh, you affiliate. know, uh, affiliate, and we'd like to support that. And um, so, you know, get off your ass and make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> the power of the Of Two Minds blog. I can't wait. I've been waiting to harness the power. Oh, once we get off, I'll, t- I'll tell you a quick story if you got time, or we might have to uh, go after my county if my buddy is for it. But there's some messed up stuff that the county did to my buddy for over some silly shit. So, um, anyways, guys, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you. Love you. And that's it.